Narrowly escaping the lockdown in Sydney due to COVID-19, we drove the ute to the beautiful Tweed Heads and interviewed Sandra Dumas, a pastor of the Gangala Church. From her own struggles with identity as an Indigenous woman and a Christian, Sandra now seeks to show her people that being a Christian doesn't mean giving up your cultural heritage, but it can and should be embraced and brought into your faith. Sandra and I spoke about her family connection to the stolen generation and the impact that still carries in the Indigenous communities today, as well as her hope for the future of Australians together. I'm Carl Fays, and this is my interview with Sandra Dumas. So Sandra, where did you grow up and what was childhood like for you? So you're in the beautiful Tweed Valley. Um, just over the river is a place called Fingal Head. That's where I grew up. Um, Fingal is a spit. Um, so it's, uh, we've got the river at the front, beach at the back. Um, and it was, it was one of the first indigenous communities um, here in the Tweed where um, my family um, were placed basically. So um, some people call it a mission, some people don't. Um, but yeah, our family grew up down there, yeah. Childhood, was that, was it like, that sounds idyllic. Was it, was it an ideal childhood? It was, it's a beautiful place. Um, like, I don't live there today because it is so expensive to live there. <laughs> um, yeah, because the beach and the river, you've got it all there. Childhood was, it was, it was fun, it was, um, you're always outdoors. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great place to grow up. It was run as a mission? Back in the early days, yes. Um, I think uh, they even closed it off at different times. Um, but yeah, it, it was pretty much, that's where it was known that the um, Aboriginal people uh, grew up, uh, were, were placed out there. Yeah, yeah. What Indigenous nation were you a part of? So this, um, all the way from Bow Desert down to Grafton is what's called the Bundjalung Nation. Um, it's quite big, it's a big um, um, nation. But my clan group at Fingal uh, are called Kujumbara. So we were the coastal people um, over there. And my totem, when you go to Fingal, I was asked once, so how do you know about your place? Well, what's your totem? And I said, well, when you come and visit and when you see um, on the beach, uh, and, and you have a look, you'll actually see my totem. And they went, well, well, what is it? Well, the headland actually looks like a porcupine, an echidna. Um, it's made out of the basalt rock and it's got columns, but it actually looks like an echidna's back. Um, and that's the totem of the Kujumbara people. All these years later, how do you continue to connect with that heritage? Um, yeah, still, I think it never, it never leaves us. So it, um, our, our connection to our country, our land, our home, belonging is a part of me. So Fingal, um, even though I would love to be there, I'm just back over the river this side, but the connection to my community, um, to the old folk, it's, it's very much there, uh, yeah. When did Christian faith become a part of your life? Christian faith was always a part of, our, of my life. Um, in, in Fingal, there was a, um, a mission church that was there. Um, it was a um, set up, oh gee, must be over 150 years ago, but it was a mission church. So as young children in the community, we always, uh, until we were 13, we didn't have a choice. You had to go to Sunday school. And the aunties from our community were our Sunday school teachers. Yeah, mm. so very much a part of our lives. Was there a point in your life where you thought, oh, this is actually serious for me, I'm not just having to go till I'm 13? Yeah, yeah. What point did it become a really personal thing for you? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, it, it was. Um, you know, we, we learned all about, um, you know, who we were um, as Christians. Uh, and I think in my teenagers, because the word was planted in my, in my life, even when, you know, I, I started making wrong choices and decisions and not going to church and doing the things that you do out there in the world, um, that there was still a part of your life. So mm. the calling was always still there to come back to the things of God. You knew when you weren't living rightly and doing what God, what pleased God. Yeah. 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 When you were growing up, what were the tension points for you as an in Indigenous woman and the difference with European Australians? Yeah. Were, were there tensions there for you? Yeah. I think um, as I started to um, become into leadership in church life, so um, I think it was then that I was kind of, I started to get singled out a little bit. And it was like, um, um, hang on a minute, um, um, I, I'm, I'm a Christian just like you. Um, and then when I started to understand my identity as not only um, a Christian woman, but as an Indigenous Christian woman, I, I, I started to do a bit of a two-step, like, am I, am I a Christian? Am I Indigenous? Am I a Christian? And I really had to work through my identity in that sense. Mm. Um, and when I understood that I could be both, it, you know, that, um, that it was okay to be, because I was actually taught, we were taught through the church um, that our culture wasn't good. Um, it was evil um, and a lot of the practices were evil. So, so you kind of like, and even growing up in the church, the aunties, you, no, no, there's no did you do playing. No, 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 none of this singing in language. There was none of this happening in church life because that's what they were taught, that, mm. that our culture was, wasn't right. Um, and as I started to grow in the Lord, it was like, but, but there was nothing wrong with it. Mm. Um, and it was redeemed as we are redeemed in who we are as Aboriginal people. Um, and so I started to grow in confidence in who I was. Yeah. So you're actually redeeming your culture back into your faith. Is yes. that a way of talking about it? Very much, very much. Yep. So we do a lot now um, as leaders, both William and myself, my husband, um, where we're trying to educate um, the church and even some of our folk that it's okay um, to be Aboriginal and Christian mm. and that these two aren't divided. You are still the same person and you bring what you, when you come into the life of Christ, this is who you are. He has saved you as you are. Yeah. And then with the church, we try to educate the church um, because the church played a major role in taking away um, culture from Aboriginal people. Um, like every culture, there's good and bad in every culture. But there's lots that w that wasn't like language, um, like the instruments that we play. Um, they're all connected to this country and who we are as people. Yeah. As people come to the church that you and your husband run, yeah. is worship does that that contain those instruments and and language and style? Yeah. Is it easier for for the for the indigenous people of this area to enter into worship? I think they are becoming more and more comfortable in um, yeah, having the didgeridoo being played in, in church. Um, our style of worship is free. It's, um, I'd say, probably not contained, um, yeah, where you allow the Spirit of God to move. Uh, yeah, um, and I think it's becoming more and more freer, yeah. The history of European actions here against the Indigenous people of this nation has, has, has been pretty awful. How do, you, how do you personally deal with that? 
we try to educate. Um, I think that's our biggest, is, is trying to bring understanding to the wider church um, that the church played a major role in uh, the disadvantage, disadvantaging Indigenous Australia. Today, um, statistics show us that 70% of Indigenous people are saved, are Christian. So that's huge. But when you look around in most of our churches, they're not in our churches. Um, and it's because the church as a setup is still that authority figure that still frightens the living daylights out of the normal um, Aboriginal person out there. Um, so we've got to break down those barriers. We've got to become more relational and understanding our role as the church in, in what happened um, in our nation. Yeah. yeah. So given the poor history of the church connected to colonialism, is it surprising there are so many Aboriginals that are Christians? No. Um, I, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes 3.11 where it talks about God had planted eternity in the hearts of man. And when you ask the question, was, was God here before colonisation? The answer is yes. Um, he is such a big and great God that when we think that he is limited to just um, colonisation of different continents, we actually limit who God is. Mm -hmm. He was here. We have rock drawings, paintings um, that established that God was here in this nation. He gave laws to Indigenous folk in this nation. God was here beforehand. So, no, it doesn't surprise me that... Um, but we still needed Jesus Christ um, to come through. Um, but there are some paintings that even talk about the sun that came as well. So... Um, God's word was here, was established in the hearts of man in this nation, in Indigenous Australia. So it doesn't surprise me that their spiritual connection to a God, to a father, to Biami, there are lots of names and languages who God is, um, one of them being Biami. Mm. But no, it doesn't surprise me at all. So Christian faith um, taps into that spirituality yeah. of Indigenous people. Yes, yes, very much. And so your role as a Christian leader yep. is to actually help that come forward. Yes, very much, very much. But you'll be surprised when you ask that question to church folk, was God here before? And they, and they um, uh, but we bought the Bible. Yeah, but God was here. Mm. Uh, and we can establish, you know, the laws that, that were so significant, so bi biblical. Um, there's even a story, I love telling this one because um, I actually personally went on a journey um, to a place called Wave Hill. Yeah. Um, one of our great leaders in this nation called Vincent Lingari, um, who led the first walk-off um, where there was such injustice for his people, the Gringy people, and he led the walk-off um, for his people um, almost like Moses. But as I'm, as I'm walking around the community with, this, with the guide, um, there's a few of us that are walking around. The young man is telling the story of what's been passed on to him. Um, and there's the older elder who's walking with him, making sure that he's telling the story correctly. He actually tells the story as in that Vincent was a representative like Moses, he said. He led our people um, out of bondage into, um, into freedom. Mm. Um, and so lots of things match up by, biblically um, in our nation, the stories yeah. in this land. Yep. Does the church among Indigenous people in Australia continue to grow? In the church, not in the four walls, but out in community, yeah. 
Um, we've just come back from Northern Territory where church is out under the stars. Um, so not so much within the four walls um, in, in our settings, but yeah, very much out in community life. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry of Olive Tree Media. Our vision is to create a library of resources that tell the story of the game-changing message of Jesus. This interview was recorded for our latest documentary, Faith Runs Deep. Our other award-winning series, Jesus the Game Changer and Towards Belief, plus many other small group, church and school series are available on our Watch Plus platform for a small monthly partnership. As you partner with us, you not only get access to compelling video content and interactive discussion guides, but you also support the creation of more resources that help share the gospel message. To become a partner and get access to Faith Runs Deep, visit olivetreemedia.com.au. There's still a, a, a gap uh, and a divide between white Australian and Indigenous Australians. How do you see that being healed? Um, I think uh, we, we, you have to go back to come forward. Um, you have to acknowledge and understand the history of this nation. Um, and we've had lots of repentance. We've had lots of things happen. But it was only uh, how many years ago where the, the Prime Minister of the day apologised for the stolen generation. Things still aren't being told as they mm. should be in our nation today, sadly. And it's still a journey um, of of healing that needs to happen. So we've got to acknowledge what's happened, bring it through to the future, own it together so that we can walk forward together. Yeah. yeah. Did your family have any connection to the Stolen Generation? Yeah, my husband, um, William, his grandfather was part of the Stolen Generation. They grew up in the Birupai country, which is down in Tari, Tari um, Tankari down there. And um, yeah, they were, they were taken, he was taken as a young man placed into a place called Kinchilla Boys Home. It, w it wasn't a very, very nice place at all. So he, he came out a, a very hard, mm. tough man. And then, so a lot of his hurt, a lot of his trauma were passed on then to his sons um, and family down the line. And it wasn't till my husband's generation that all started to get saved that a lot of things started to break over our family. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So what are the some of the ongoing influences on Indigenous people of the Stolen Generation? Yep. So one of the one of the policies that came into play a few years ago was called the Northern Territory Intervention, where uh, army trucks rolled into communities um, to bring about this law that was was going to change the way of of life for commu for community people in Northern Territory. Um, but it, it, it was met with such fear. Um, you know, it, it's been told that uh, mums were running with their children, thinking it was, it, they were back in the day where their, their kids were going to be taken again. So they were running, crying, screaming into the bushes, you know, worried that um, their mm. kids were going to be taken again. Yeah, so the, the, there's so much mistrust still with government, government agencies, and sadly with the church as well. Mm. So Sandra, what are your hopes and dreams for the Indigenous people of this nation? Both mine and William's is that it will be a shared dream that non-Indigenous and Indigenous will work, walk hand in hand in our nation together, owning our past, but owning our future, walking together and sharing our culture 
of this nation, of this land that we are so proud of together. Um, that it won't be just a token thing, a, a crawberry dance here or a welcome here, but that we will walk together and own it together. Do you think it's possible? I do. I really do. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This series is called Faith Runs Deep. How do you see faith running deep in our nation? I think faith was here a long, long time ago. Um, as I said earlier on, that God established himself here in this nation long before any of us were here. And that faith existed and exists today. Um, our people are a resilient people, still here. Um, we believe in God, we trust in a God. A lot of things have come in to sway us differently, but God has established himself here and the faith in him and trust in him that he has got us is very much here, yeah. Thank you for joining me on this podcast as I unearth stories of faith in Australia. To watch the full Faith Runs Deep series and all Olive Tree Media content, go to olivetreemedia.com.au and sign up to the Watch Plus platform and partner with us today.